Welcome to Urban Hope Community Church's podcast. Today's sermon is titled, The True Meaning of Christmas, from Genesis 3, 1 through 15, and Matthew 1, 18 through 25, from Senior Pastor Alton Hardy. We ask that you would take these words that we are singing, that you implant them on our hearts, that we would know and leave this place knowing that you are with us homes and our families on our jobs and the greatest of storms and, and afflictions and pains and sufferings that we're experiencing right now and will experience that you are right there with us that we are not by ourselves no matter the pain the suffering the agitation, the agony, the heartache, the pain, the brokenness, the wounds from yesterday, the wounds from childhood, you are with us, that we are not by ourselves. And I pray here today on this morning that you, Emmanuel, will bless this sermon touch our hearts, that we would know that, that you would increase our faith to believe the story, the greatest story ever told, God in human flesh, Emmanuel, bless us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, worship team, for that. Well, I know we have the children with us, so I'm not going to keep you long. Um, so please stand, um, turn to the book of Genesis. It'll be up on your screen, and we're going to go over to Matthew and get into our sermon here this morning. So here we go. Um, chapter 3, you will need your ESV um, Bible this morning. Um, unless you can just follow along on your phone in your own Bible, and we'll turn to some scriptures in my text. Here we go. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any of the trees in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not, you will, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, 
the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Um, turn with me in your Bible, page 959, Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. From their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fade. My wife, she loves watching Christmas movies, especially the Hallmark ones. She can watch them all day, all night, with their beautiful scenes of snow, the snowmen in the front yard, giant decorative Christmas trees, and Santa Claus figures with the nice white beards and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer usually playing in the background. Some of you probably say, amen, Pastor, I like them too. It's okay. She always says to me that I know how the plot is going to go and the way it is going to end. She says usually there is some kind of a breakdown in a relationship, heartache, pain, death of a loved one. And then there's somebody who takes the mantle and trying to reconcile the family back together. Or someone falls in love with the right person after many, many, many failed relationships or heartaches. Most of these Hallmark movies, Christmas movies, really don't insert the true meaning of Christmas in the story. 
But these happy endings, they just come about through some kind of osmosis. Y'all know that's my word. Some kind of osmosis influence surrounding this thing called Christmas. But the Bible, which is the word of God, it presents to us a much more sober reality surrounding the true meaning of Christmas. And the first thing that the Bible tells us that the Hollywood Hallmark movies don't tell us, and there are four things that I'm going to be walking through here this morning. Hollywood, Hallmark, they don't tend to get into this, but the Bible does. The Word of God does. And here are the four things. Why are things in this life so bad? You ever just wake up and just like, why are things so bad in the world? So much evil in the world. That's the first question. And why do family members and loved ones, moms, dads, grandparents, miscarriages and babies, getting sick and dying sometimes. Dogs and cats. And all humans die. You know, I like animals. I like dogs. I like, I don't, cats, eh, so okay. Yeah, cats are weird. They're moody. You don't know what's moody. And, and I was, as I was preparing for the sermon, and I grew up with dogs. We had a lot of dogs. I remember a dog, we had a dog named Cookie. Love Cookie. She was a girl dog. And I still, you know, I'm a big guy, and every time my wife gets to talking about an animal, I want a little chihuahua. I want a smallest dog as I can get. You know, big guy walking down the road with a little hot dog. But I think because I had one growing up, her name was Cookie. We loved Cookie. Cookie slept wherever we slept, you know. He went where we went. He ate what we ate. She was a fat chihuahua. We didn't give her dog food. She ate what we ate. But I tell you now, the reason why I haven't been gotten one, because I think where I'm at in life, I've had so much death around me, I just don't have the, the heart to go through another death. And dogs will die. They don't live that long. And they can have the same kind of impact on your heart as a human can. And so I just like, I'm just not doing it. I can't do it. Why do we die? Grandparents, grandmothers, family members, loved ones. The third question is, why is it so difficult to keep family, marriage relationships together? And to get along with other human beings peacefully. Why we just can't just all get together for Christmas and just be a joyful time? It is for some. But according to what we know, the stats, not for a lot of others. A lot of turmoil, bad memories, pain, suffering. The question is, why is it so difficult? Can't we just kumbaya? Then the fourth question that we want to, that I'll answer. Why do we need to really understand the true meaning of Christmas? Because I, I make the um, um, statement that I don't think many people really understand the Christmas story. I know for me, I was in my 30s before it really started to settle in what we were singing about. And I see that so much in Christian church. We're just, you know, that's why I started off by saying, do we really understand what we're saying when the Christmas story? God in human flesh. Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people of the day, when they were seeing Jesus in his face, they had a hard time trying to put that together. And they fought against him. In fact, we know that they killed him. You think they knew that they were killing God? Caiaphas? Those guys with all those robes on, you think they knew, that's God, and we're going to kill God. We're going to kill God. 
the author of life. Oh, I mean, you're just another man. So don't just slide over that like a lot of people do. Emmanuel, God with us. Talking, eating fish, drinking water, making wine from water. With these four questions, I'm going to answer. And so like the Hallmark movies that start out bad with some kind of a agitation, and they end up good, I am going to follow the same path with this Christmas Eve morning sermon. It's going to start out bad, but end up good. But unlike the Hallmark Christmas movies, I am going to present what the Bible really says is the true meaning of Christmas by answering these four questions. So turn back with me to the book of Genesis. Um, I know a lot of people start with, in the New Testament, with the Christmas story. But the truth of the matter is, Christmas starts in the beginning. Getting the book of Genesis, the beginning. So here it goes. Is now the serpent. The serpent was the devil. Revelation 12, the old ancient serpent. The one who God kicked out of heaven for his rebelliousness. And a host of other angels followed him. He's real. His name is Satan. He has many names. Diablo. Lord of the flies. The devil. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God, God actually say? So he's questioning God's word. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And neither shall you touch it. Not what God said. She's already confused. Lest you die. Verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, here it is, you will not surely die. This statement from Lucifer, Satan here in this text. This is an in your face to God. The Hebrew, if you was reading this in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew places the word lo not in front of God's declaration. Not you sure, surely die. He's basically saying to, to Eve and to God, take that God. It is the serpent's word versus God's word. This is where you see playing out here. Satan's word or God's word? God says this. Satan is right there saying, this is what I say. And hear me, you're either listening to God's voice this morning or you're listening to the voice of the evil one. This is where we get into the, to the mess of the, of the Christmas story. In verse 7, it says, of course, the woman eats. She gives it to her husband. He also eats. And then verse 7 says, and then the eyes of both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. 
and they sewed fig leaves together. And they made themselves loincloths. Something happened in that garden. Bible scholars call this what just happened and their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. They call this spiritual death, which is separation from God. One commentator says about this verse, he says, in an instant, the original couple passed from life to death. It was in a moment. Anytime you're sinning deliberately, you need to understand this. God is not standing over there clapping his hand. And the Bible says in an instant, the original couple passed from life to death. From sinlessness to sin. From harmony to alienation. From trust to distrust. From ease to disease or dis-ease. It did not take a day. It happened in a millisecond. Adam and Eve, as our parents, were genetically, historically, and theologically every man and every woman. They are representative of all of us. Not only in their original sin, but because the way they attempted to deal with their sin is the pattern with which we attempt to deal with it today. And the way that God dealt with Adam and Eve is the way he deals with us. they went from life to spiritual death which is separation from God a spirit who's no longer communicating with God's spirit so questions one two and three will be addressed even more with Adam and Eve's transgression and then it will lead us to the first Christmas verse which is found in verses 8 through 15. But I want you to see the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they ate. And this is all of us. And this is happening still to this day. They went, took fig leaves, and sewed the fig leaves and covered themselves. Basically, they tried to create their own Christmas. Their own Christmas hope. We all do this. This is why it's good for preachers every Sunday to bring us back that the only hope and the remedy of sin is in the gospel. It's in Jesus. It's not in what we try to make to fix us, to fix our marriages, to fix our homes, to fix our children. And they sow fig leaves. They try to eradicate what they had done. But I want us to see now that sin has come into the world through the first couple. They've gone from life to death, spiritual death. And let's see how the rest of these um, the, the, of this text will answer the one, two, and three questions. Here we go. Look at verse 8. And the word of God says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. This is what happens when we're out of sync with God. We hide as though we think see God can't see us. You hear people say this all the time. Hey, you invite people to church. Well, let me get cleaned up, then I'll come. Because they're thinking what they're doing out there, God can't see it. You don't need to be here for God to see what you're doing. God can see your thoughts from afar. So they hid themselves. 
from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid. Now they are afraid of God. Where there was union and relationship and harmony and worship, now they are afraid. afraid of God. And he said, verse 11, who told you that you were naked? And have you eaten of the tree of which I'm commanding you not to eat? Verse 12, then the man said, the woman you gave to be with me. What's that? Now he's blaming. He's not taking responsibility. So they went from harmony Union, peace, to now blaming, hiding, afraid, and now blaming the neighbor, blaming the spouse. And he said, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. I wanted to get married, but <laughs> I want to blame her for it. In verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, she passed the blame on. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So you got hiding, fear, blaming, not taking responsibility, or confessing sin. It's all right there. And so he's in the midst of that. God gives to us. What scholars. And I would agree. The first mission of the Christmas story. Verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent. Because you have done this. Which he did. Curse on you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Here it is, verse 15. God says, and I will put enmity, hostility, hatred. There will be no reconciliation between me and you, Satan. Hebrew word here, constant war. There will be never, under no circumstances, there will be no reconciliation. This is a war. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the God promising to the seed of the woman that he's going to send Emmanuel. Song three, the praise team will sing it. Satan heard it in that garden. God says, I'm going to send someone, second person of the Trinity, the word that was in the beginning with God, is going to take on human flesh. The Christmas story. But I want you for a moment with me this morning. I want you for a moment, as we just read verse 15. Imagine just for a moment that these words in verse 15 were not written here in Holy Scripture. That there is no advent or expectation or arrival to wait upon. No hope at all. 
Just imagine, God never wrote that. There is no Christmas story. There is no hope for the world. Imagine. And as I just thought about this, I was preparing. I said, man, just for a moment. And this is why I think most people, if we, we hear this Christmas, but do we really understand what God is trying to convey to us? If there is no verse 15, that I'm going to send God, second person of the Trinity, into the world. Man, I don't know if I, there would be no church. There would be only despair, hopelessness. Yet we know that he did. So God gives the Christmas story before he starts to give the judgment out to the man and woman. He says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. As I was studying for this, one um, commentator, you know, I know we have medicine, modern medicine can alleviate pain in our childbearing. But still, even with the medicine, there's still all kinds of just um, complications sometimes and pain and suffering just with the whole act of just being a mom. And so God gives, tells Eve, I'm going to multiply your pain in childbearing, and in your pain you shall bring forth children, and then your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And a lot of people skip over this, say this is what I'm do, but here, because I'm going to come back to this marriage thing, because one of the things God put on my heart, I'm going to pray for marriages, because we promote marriage here at Urban Hope, and we will continue to do that. But I know, and Lord really touched my heart, I think around Tuesday, he said, I want you to deal with the family and the marriage. But here God says, there will be a constant friction. God can't lie. God says, Wives will try to rule over their husbands, but they will push back for the most part. Some don't, but most will. And, and it's part of the, it's part of the, um, to Eve, and one of the things we ask the question is why we can't just get along. Why is it always so hard in marriage? People get married, they say all the right words at the platform, and then two or three weeks later, What's wrong? <laughs> Should go back and read this verse. This is friction. It's fighting, quarreling, just all the time. Some more than others. And God says it here. He will seek to want to lead, step in the road, or whatever the case may be. There will be this bumping of heads. Then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commend you, you should not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And he says, in pain you shall eat of it all of the days of your life. And then he says, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. Verse 19, but the sweat of your face shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In other words, here we not, now God is saying, you will die a physical death. Now you have spiritual death, and now you have physical death. And Romans 5, 12 tell us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, this one man, Adam, that God gave here, you're going to die, and everyone after you will die. You wonder why grandmas die? You're going to die, babies die, and all this death around us because of this. This is why it's happening. Therefore, through one man, death through sin, 
And so death spread to all men because all sin. The sin thing in us. We got all these babies running around here. 15 years from now, you'll see sin come out of them that you never taught them. What, that's what the Bible is saying. It's the sin nature. It's something in us that Adam passed on to us. We all have it. This is why when you see death, this is all connected to the Christmas story. Death spread to all men because all sin. Turn with me to page 1201 to James chapter 4. This, this sin nature, this, 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 this thing that, that's in us that causes us to, to just, just, what is this thing? James 12, James 4, page 1201 in your pew Bible. Here it goes. Paul says this, this death spread to all men because all sin. This, this sinful nature. Look what James says. He said, what causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? James is asking the question, why are we fighting all the time? Let me, I'm going to get back to me and Sandy a little bit. I'm going to get to that later. What causes all of this stuff? What causes fights among you? James says, is it not this, that your passions, this, this, these sinful, evil desires lurking in our members or at war within you, that whatever Adam did when God said you shall die and the sin came into him and it came to all mankind, it's this, it's these, it's this sinful nature. It's in, in us all. And James says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God, fix him. God, fix her. Even when we're praying, God, I don't, I'm good, God. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm not selfish. I'm not lazy. I'm just a good husband. I just lead well. I pray for my wife all the time. And the wife is like, that's not what I'm saying. It's just, and so we even go to pray to God. We even ask it out of wrong desires and wrong motives. James is saying, do you not know? You adulterous people, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity? Hear that word again. With God? God said, you're disconnected from me. You're not understanding the, who I am in the Christmas story. He said, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I love this verse. Do you not suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture said he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? God is saying, I'm jealous for you. I, I long for you. I want to be intimate with you. But just evil desires, passions, lust, all of these things, they're within us. And they fight within us, which causes us to be fighting and quarreling all the time. And so right here, I make my transition. This is where the true meaning of Christmas comes into view. Our text from the Gospel of Matthew is not like the Hallmark Christmas movies. It is very explicit about the Christmas story and why we need Christmas story in the first place. Come back to 959, now I'm back to Acts. Let me get back to Matthew. And then I'll be done. See, the Bible is very realistic. It's not like a Hallmark movie. And so we see here in the text, Matthew chapter 1, page 959, we see, and I love how Matthew starts out. Now he's about to tell the Christmas story. It's been now 4,000 years. We believe from Adam to Jesus' birth, 4,000 years. I mean, 
young earth believer, creationalist. If you ever wanted to know, some of y'all say, I don't even know what that means, PA. I don't believe that it took God a billion years to get us all here. I believe in this 24-hour day, six days, whole creation, and all of the above. So from here, it's been 4,000 years. Satan has been attacking. We know what he did to the children in Bethlehem. We know what he did to the kids in Egypt. He's been fighting against God and trying to, because he don't know God's plan. He just knows God says he's going to send the seed. He doesn't know who, so he's been fighting and killing all along the way, trying to stop this plan from coming to fruition. And here it goes, Matthew says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a man, a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to, de- resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Notice that he appeared to him in a what? In a dream. Stay with that one. He appeared to Joseph while he's sleeping in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's from the Holy Spirit. She's pregnant. No man has touched her. God, the Holy Spirit, has impregnated her. I know you say, Pastor, that's what I said. You've got to think about when you say the Christmas story, say, do I really believe this? You've got to sit with that. Holy Spirit impregnating a woman, not touched by a man, and put God, Emmanuel, within her womb. So the Holy Spirit says, She's been, she's conceived in her, it's from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, here it is. You want to know the true meaning of Christmas. Please go celebrate, do all the things that we typically do with Christmas. But keep this in mind while you're celebrating Christmas. Because here is the heart of the story of Christmas. Why is Jesus being born? Why is he coming into the world? Let us all read it together. He says, and she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will do what? His people from what? What James is saying, that, that nature, that evil desires, this thing called sin. He will save his people from their sin. Jesus come to save us from the power of sin and from the penalty of sin. This Greek word here, save, is sozo. It means restoration, healing, wholeness, wholeness in spirit, wholeness in soul, mind, will, and emotions, wholeness in your body, to save someone from perishing, to deliver them from the enemy or the evil one. Jesus, he came, he was born, and the angel is talking to Joseph. And he said, here's why he's coming, Joseph, and you must name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then he, I end with this, and then I'm going to um, want to demonstrate something. It says, and this caught me. It said, look at verse 24. Um, when Joseph woke from his sleep, remember he was in a dream. He woke from his sleep, and the word of God says, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He was sleeping, and as he awoke, he took the Christmas story at heart, and he did what the angel had told him in his sleep. And most Christians that I know and see they still look at the Christmas story as though something that they're in a dream. They're not, they're not, they're not grasping with it. And so let me show you something what I want to talk about. And I want to pray for Mary here. And then we're done. Sandra and I, we've been married almost 20 years. It was tough. And um, Jesus, the word of God says he was born to, to save us from our sins. 
We all have the sin nature. We don't just fall off. And it wouldn't be hard. I've already talked to you about this, so I'm going to say this. And the Lord told me to do this. This is for young, young couples that are getting married. Those of you who are married. And it was tough. You will be at the apex of fighting and arguing. And sometimes for me, in the early days, cursing. It was bad. And you come on the platform. And, and so, and, and it was basically, I didn't know what to do. It was hard. It was just, guys, I'm just being honest. It was not easy. And this, I mean, we were quarreling and fighting a lot. We had a blended family, but we had added issues. And it's just, I had no way of just how and what to do. And in the midst of those arguments, and it just finally, the Holy Spirit was just like, because I was trying everything. And none of, none of the, the, the fig leaves worked. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to the Christmas story. Jesus died. Jesus came to save us from what? Pastor Hardy is sinful. Sister Sandy is sinful. We're sinful beings. And we were fighting. And this is what we would do. In the midst of it, I would just grab her hand. And we didn't have a whole lot of answers to our problems. And I said, babe, uh, would you just pray with me? And we were just in the midst of it. We did this more than once. I can't tell you how many times we did this in our marriage. Where I would just stop trying to fix it. And I would just grab her hand. And I would just say, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I'm tired. I've been mad before. And this seems to be harder than the first one. <laughs> it was. And she would agree. You're not what I thought you were. <laughs> you realize I had a lot of sins in me. And I realized I wasn't leading well. And we would just pray. And I would just confess my sins. I don't know if you did in that time or not, but I was trying to lead it. I think you did. Because she would always say that I did most of the sinning. And truth be told, I did. And I just ran my mouth and said things I shouldn't have said. And here's all I know. We were just clinging on to Jesus, the baby in the manger. And all I can tell you, through what seems to be impossible with man, was possible with God. And that's where we're here today standing. And so with that, um, all married couples, grab your hands, stand on, let me pray for you. Because we know it's tough. And then we're going to be done. And the Christmas story is about God dealing with sin. And many people, and I'm going to go back to the Joseph story. He got up and he believed. And he did what the angel told him to do. And as I was thinking about this, many people, the story is still just a dream to them. They don't believe it. They don't believe what Karen and Breeden were singing. God with you. God, Emmanuel, is with you in your marriage. He's with you. He's jealous for you. He don't want you running to anyone but to him. He can restore and fix and heal. This is the word sozo means. It means to restore wholeness, mind, emotions, will, all of that. He was born to deal with what happened in the garden. They sinned, and you know the first thing they did? They started to distrust each other. They blamed each other. They, they, they blamed each other all along, and we know that still happened. But Jesus, he was born. And I want to encourage you in 2024, in the heart of those arguments, instead of trying to fix it, grab each other's hand, husbands, lead your wives, and say, Lord, help us. He was born to help us in this, to love her the way that she needs to be loved, and for her to love me in the way. Because the, the, God said the wife would try to rule over the husband. That's true. And all of that is playing itself out. And only with Jesus the God who was born, can you overcome that? And so with that, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for every marriage and those that are, will be getting married and those who are not, Lord, even as we go to be around family members this Christmas, this Christmas on tomorrow and even tonight, Lord, this applies to all. There's quarreling, there's fighting, there's passions working out in people that you call sinful. But you were born to save us 
So save us from these sins, Lord, that we cannot save from ourselves. And I pray for every marriage here, Lord, under the sound of my voice, and those that will be getting married. Lord, remind them of this sermon. Remind them that you are God, Emmanuel, with us. That you, we're not in this by ourselves. That when we're at our weakest, when we're at our lowest, when we're about ready to give up, give it up, we're about ready to throw it away. We want to throw it away. We want to, we want to run back to the voice of Satan, and not to your voice. Remind us, Lord, that you are God with us. You are God with us in the midst of our problems, in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our afflictions. And I pray that you would save us and deliver us and restore our marriages and heal our marriages and make us well and make us whole. That we will walk this thing out to the glory of your name. That Christmas will be something that we would not just be dreaming about, but it would be something that we would act upon, believe upon. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Well, stand to your feet as Pastor Chad comes to get a benediction. Thank you for joining Urban Hope Community Church's podcast. Today's sermon was called The True Meaning of Christmas from Genesis 3, 1 through 15, and Matthew 1, 18 through 25 from Senior Pastor Alton Hardy. If you want to listen to additional sermons or need resources, please visit our website at urbanhopecc.com.